0: Yay! Stu, I'm looking forward to some awesome this
1: morning. You've got loads of things going on in your hand. So that looks interesting. Can we pray for you before we start? All right, let's reach our hands out towards Stu now. And uh, the other hand, maybe put it in your heart. You're ready to receive what he's got to give. Father, thank you for Sue. Thank you that he's such a blessing amongst us. And Father, thank you that he has a prophetic ear turned to you at all times. And Father, thank you that he blesses us when he shares what you have to say. Mm. And so this morning, Father, I pray now for every ear to be opened, from every heart to be opened, to receive from you this morning. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen, yeah. And Father, I just pray for your anointing to come on every person. Just receive as as you're sitting there. His presence is with us. He promises to be with us. He is with us. Hallelujah. Because it's the anointing, like I said last week, that breaks the yoke. It breaks stuff off us. And we need him. We we can do nothing. You know, it just comes to me more and more and more. That absolutely nothing of me counts in the scheme of the kingdom. It's all by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, of course he uses us. But you know what I'm saying? And we need to develop our relationship with Holy Spirit. He has been sent and he's very patient. He hangs around and waits for us and waits for us and waits for us and helps where he can and and so on and so forth. But he wants to encounter us more and more. That we live in the river and the flow of what he's doing. So, as I share what I've got, um, I I just pray that Holy Spirit will um, interpret it to you, and um, this will work, just needs a little adjustment. Um, Yeah, so, I'll put my glasses on and then I can read. That's good, thank you. Yeah, praise the Lord, God is a happy God. And I just want to... Talk to Jesus a moment. You're allowed to listen in. But Jesus, I just want to say that you are the most amazing, most perfect, most wonderful. You are beautiful, Jesus, and we love you. And we would be nowhere without you. Wow. Jesus, we want to lift you up. And we want to walk with you. We want to reflect you in this earth, Lord. And we want to bring delight to your heart. We want you to dance with us, Lord, because you're so happy with us. And thank you that you are happy. You are dancing over us anyway and singing over us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, where did that come from? You see, you turn to Jesus and things happen. That's amazing. I've been completely... Non-emotional all morning, and then suddenly I'm completely emotional. But God is good. Thank you, the two of you. That's good. I'm glad I'm in good company. So, uh, in case you're not aware, but you will be, this year's themes are expectation, encounter, oh, sorry, equipping. I'll get it all the wrong way around. Equipping, expectation, and encounter. That's probably a good progression, isn't it? And today... I want to share with you an equipping okay, that will provoke expectation and ultimately lead to encounter. That's where I'm coming from, and I really hope and pray I can stick to time. So, has anybody got any uh, food in the oven they need to get back for? Or anything that you're pressed about because you might be delayed? So, back with the glasses. Um, What I'm about to share is also about our culture. And what we're seeking to foster amongst us, something of kingdom ways that we're to encourage in one another. And I want to add that this word has been a great encouragement to me since I received it. But it's also been a big challenge. It's wonderful when God speaks. But the thing about it is you've got to respond. Respond. And you've got to apply it. And it's, it's been good that I've had a long time carrying this word. Because it's shown me the ups and downs of my own walk with God. And how I know this word God, but it's really hard to carry this out. So I just want to share that from the point of view of, look, we're all human. And God knows that. But let's reach for what he wants to bring us. And we need to encourage one another in it. That's the thing. It's together that we'll see the fruit. So for some of us, what I'll share won't be anything new, but it will be fresh, I hope. And for some, it will bring fresh light to their walk and journey with God. But above all, it's a word from heaven that was spoken into the context of our congregation and the real challenges we've been through during 2017. And I want you to receive it in that light. So if you remember, recently, Mark reflected on 2017 and described it as being a bit of a cruddy year. Uh, And we won't easily forget the challenges, John and Kate, uh, and the illness of, uh, of Andrea that she suffered. And these situations, you have to bear with me. <laughs> I can feel oh, myself God. blobbing. Almost. It's just bubbling up. <clears throat> you just have to get used to me. You're used to me? You're used to me. That's fine. Okay. So, these situations just seem such a contradiction to the goodness of God. And I'm sure it raised questions in a lot of our hearts when it did in mine. And I was meditating on it and thinking, Lord. You know, what is going on amongst the body? What's happening? That these such challenging circumstances coming against your people. We know the promises of God. And I remember quite distinctly walking down the stairs at home, thinking about this. And God just dropped a picture in my mind. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. And out of that picture, he he unfolded his heart towards us. So. You will see that picture in a moment, which is exciting, because today prophetic art has a moment. Let's say a yay for prophetic art. You know, just and as an aside, it's really exciting that prophetic art is actually a portal. I, I heard this in Harrogate uh, in the summer. Paintings created prophetically act as a portal between earth and heaven, and the viewer is being drawn into the ways of heaven. They're being influenced by heaven. It's so exciting that an unbeliever will have absolutely no idea they're coming under the influence. Something is impacting them. Um, so anyway, that's an aside. and it's, there's, You could talk more about that, but it's not in the script. So. But it's exciting. So today we will see some prophetic art. And because Risen paints... I asked Rizon to paint the picture. Uh, and we will see that in a minute. Let's keep keep you waiting. Um, so let's have a look and see the picture. So Riz, have you got some I'm just gonna move this because we decided that this might be the best way to um, display it. You've done a great job. Uh, so bear with us. Like, technical moment here. So just feast your eyes. Let it sink in. Some people are more visual in their learning and experience than others. Uh, I'm a very visual person. Yeah. So, would you like to give uh, Riz a round of applause? Yeah. Yeah. So, as you can see, it's, it's fairly straightforward what I saw. Um, now, I did a little sketch and handed it to Rizan, and he then fulfilled the brief which was great so let the image sink in because this is God speaking to us and it's his ways of helping and encouraging us so at this point I'm just going to write down what I wrote at the time and it's just entitled an onslaught on the health of the body God showed me a door It was old and large in an ornate archway. The door was of a light color, not dark or imposing. The door was closed. It was heavy to open, but with the turning of the handle and a shoulder to push, it opened. It wasn't stuck, nor stiff. It had hinges on which it was set. It was designed to be opened. The door is God's word. We need to take the handle, turn and push. Through the door are all the promises of God for us, which are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They are there for us. Then God reminded me about the authority of the believer. We have authority, but we must exercise it. In a battle, the enemy resists, but that means we must push and stand strong and encourage each other in this. This authority exists within the heart of every believer. So here was and is God's response to my question. The door literally represents God's word. It has an entrance, the door. But we must apply some deliberate intent to open it and go through. In the picture, the door was shut, and it was very clearly shut, and that was a point God wanted to to make. The door was closed. You had to do something about taking a step to go in. Now, the door was heavy, but each person had the ability to push it open, but they each needed different measures of strength to open it. However, it required the same focus and intent from everyone. You have to think about that to get it. So it didn't matter how weak or strong you were, the door would give the same resistance to you as an individual to require the same intent and purpose. So basically what I'm saying is it's just as easy for a new believer as an old believer to be able to open the door and go through. So God is saying we need to apply some pressure to open the door, and we can all open it. But what lies beyond the door? Hmm. It was very clear to me that what God was saying was that beyond the door we find the promises of God. In other words, the door is the word of God, the Bible, and as we open it, we are to find the promises God has towards us. And it wasn't until some time later I saw something behind the door. And so I'm just going to ask if Sarah wouldn't mind, who's writing rampant notes, <laughs> to just show what, what I saw in my mind's eye. Can you make that out? It's not so easy with, um, with the lights on, but I don't think it will make much difference if I turn them off. But essentially, you can see the night sky, can't you? And the stars. And Imagine the night sky when you've been out into, say, the dales, somewhere where there's not a lot of street light. Have you looked up and seen the sky? It's amazing, isn't it? It's just truly astounding. Totally astounding. It never ceases to amaze me when I see the sky in its true light. And this was what I saw beyond the door. So it wasn't quite what you'd imagine beyond the door, is it? But God doesn't do predictable, does he? And here was an environment quite beyond the natural realm, totally beyond natural. And as I meditated upon the picture, I began to understand more about what the Lord was speaking. Firstly, the realm we stepped into beyond the door was actually outer space, not an environment that would sustain natural life. You need a spacesuit and oxygen to survive, don't you? And the thing is, it's a realm that is beyond the natural. Supernatural. And the only way to exist in such places would have to be supernaturally. So God is pulling at the supernatural aspect of who we are to say, to walk through that door and explore, you have to do it by my spirit. It's only through me. It's only by the power of my spirit dwelling in you that you can move into this realm. Now, I don't want you to get the heebie-jeebies. But I want you to realize God has called us to to a supernatural life. And in case you didn't know, if you're born again, you have supernatural life in you. In fact, we all do. But you've got the right supernatural activity going on. It says in Habakkuk that the righteous will live by faith. And that is not a natural process. You're not walking by natural sight. You're going by stuff which is not seen to the visible realm. You're walking in the light of the invisible and the eternal. And I've got exciting news for you. God has prepared us to be able to do this and to walk in this way. It's who we've been created to be. It's in and through the Spirit that we can go in and find the promises. By the Spirit, we can breathe in this place. We can explore. We can fly and find hope and encouragement. That which we need. And we can find the promises of God. Now, in case you haven't twigged, the stars here for me, represented the promises of God. And looking back to those skies in the dales, how many thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads of promises God has towards us. I know you can count them up in the Bible, but God has a promise for every situation and circumstance that we go through. He's there for us when we're challenged. He wants us to have that support and help and everything else we need. And I do want to say at this point that there is a place where every analogy does break down because I realise that if you really tried to apprehend a star, you'd get vaporised before you got anywhere near it. So bear with the analogy. Now, just want to root us in the word. Let's look at the New Testament in the book of 2 Peter. This is where I want to sort of root it into scripture because obviously God doesn't say anything outside of his word. And it'll help us just to put a handle on it. And those that know me, I get a bit abstract and a bit ethereal and a bit touchy feely, and let's just root it into Scripture. So, I haven't got the reference, but I've got it written down in me, in front of me. I believe it's two Peter, first chapter, two to four, and it should begin, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you." Is that the case? Surely good. So grace and peace be multiplied to you dot dot dots. So I must have missed some words out as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the, through the knowledge of him who called us by his, by his glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world through lust. So I'm really sorry. I'm apologizing for Paul for writing such a very long, complicated sentence. I've read and read and read that sentence and really tried to. Well, let's just put that bit there and that bit there. I think it makes sense. So I'm going to paraphrase it and chop it up a bit and just pick bits out to help us grasp what this is saying. So within that verse, we've got the word promises. Here are the promises. Here's the door by which we step through to find the promises. And God has given us these promises. Isn't that wonderful? Now. If I had a highlighter pen. I would take the pen and go. All over this today. Because I feel like that's what God is doing with this truth. You'll see as I progress on. Let's look at that phrase, two words, exceedingly great. Okay? Everybody wants to say exceedingly great. Exceedingly great. Great. I fallen asleep yet. So exceedingly in the Greek. Now get ready. You can ooh and you can ah. It is. Hooper play an adzo. You can say that if you like. Hooper play an adzo. Okay? It's two words stuck together. Hooper. Okay? Which means over, above and beyond, superior to. And the other word is very highly more than. Be more or make to increase. Do you get the flavour of this? Exceedingly. It's a lot. It's big. It's great. Okay. And then the next word is great. Now, the word great in Greek is megas. Which is probably where you get the word mega from, I'd imagine. Megas. Mega. That's mega. Hey, it's becoming a bit of an in in terms, isn't it? To say something's cool or mega or whatever. And it's the same word that was used just to put it in some biblical context, when the three kings saw the great star of Bethlehem. Or when the people sitting in darkness had seen a great light. Jerusalem is called the city of the great king. Or after the resurrection, they had great joy. So great is simply great. Okay, there's no rocket science about it. However, the word in this scripture in 2 Peter isn't Megas. It's Megistos. But we've just put it as great. So we lose something in the English translation. So I'm now going to try to translate this word Megistos into our English language. So, it is... Now, where did I put it? It's written down here somewhere. Somewhere. Okay. This is the trouble. When you go off-piste, you can't find where you were. And then you have to study to find where you were. Okay. So, this word isn't really great. It is Megistos, which means... <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. Oh, yes. There we go. Exceedingly greatest. okay, Which isn't grammatical, which is why they couldn't use it. But wouldn't it be great to have a Bible that translated it just as it was and it shoved in all these grammatical errors just to try and make the point. He has given to us his exceedingly greatest precious promises. So his promises are over. Above and beyond, superior to, very highly, more than anything we have ever found. I am telling you this morning, there is nothing that will compare with the promises of God in eternity. You can hunt from North Pole to South and all the way round; You will never, ever, ever find anything with more substantial weight behind it than the promises of God. And this is the highlighter place. This is an absolute that God is lifting up. His promises are, are they, yeah. completely? And He's trying to say and communicate to us: Don't underestimate my promises. Don't leave them lying there. Don't undermine what I have said. My promises are absolute, he says. My promises will not let you down. And he's looking for a people who will say, I'm taking these promises. Through scripture, you see there is battle after battle after battle after battle after battle after opposition after opposition after opposition opposition and fight, fight, fight. And God is looking for fighters. He's looking for people who are going to say, you know what? I'm up for it. I'm not going to give up here. I'm pressing through. I'm taking hold of this. Because God is true to his word. So, this is the word I received. I was challenged. Because what about the days when I woke up and I didn't feel like I had any fight in me? I felt rubbish. I have to force myself to say... Thank right, God, but I believe what you say. I know this is true. And it might be just a mere whispering under my breath of the promises of God. But it's a start. I start to move in the right direction. I start, if you like, to put my shoulder against the door. I'm coming through, God. I'm coming through. I'm taking hold of it. The only other place that this word, Megistos, greatest, Absolutist, completely is used in scripture, is in Hebrews 10, verse 35, where it says, Do not throw away your confidence, which has Exceedingly great, abundantly, massively, incredible reward. God wants us to realise his reward is there. It is exceeding. It is beyond comparison. And the way they've written it, really, it's just such an understatement. Do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. It's talking about our confidence in our faith, in our trust in God and our confidence in his promises. For in them is exceedingly and abundantly great reward. You can't overstate that. But it is conditional. If we hold to our confidence. And that's the bit where the tension rises and where the enemy wants to elbow in and peel us off the promises, but we won't have it. Do you know, it'd be so easy just to step into the promises and live in the fullness of the blessing all the time. It'd be great. All the time, it just drops into your lap. But God knows, doesn't he? He's, He's wanting to create The sons of God, isn't he? He's wanting to shape. He's wanting to make. He's want to carve and shape you into something incredible that is that would be a man of God. He is a man of God. But just doing exploits in the kingdom, seeing people born again, praying for the sick, trusting in the promises of heaven. So, like I said, it is conditional, but the fight is where you get stronger. The fight is what makes you you and you become something greater. When we step into the into and onto the promises, the thing is, we immediately step upstream against the flow and tide of the spirit of this age. So you immediately step into the gravitational pull of corruption in this world. And that word corruption is in this verse, isn't it? Um, somewhere. We were just reading. What does it say? Um, so we, it says we can escape the corruption that's in the world. Okay, I just want to look at that verse, uh, that word. Yeah. His divine, divine power has given to us these great promises so we can partake of or share in God's nature and escape the corruption caused by lust. So that word means decay, ruin, destroy or perish and comes from a word meaning to shrivel or wither, to spoil by any process, deprave, defile or destroy. That's pretty absolute to me, isn't it? Pretty negative, pretty like, don't sound like the sound of that. But... Through the promises, we can escape that process. And it's the same word we find in Romans 8, 21, where it talks about creation being freed from its bondage to destruction or corruption and being brought into. Yes, the glorious liberty of the sons of God, that's us. The glorious liberty of the sons of God. I tell you, if you could see in the spirit now, everyone here, you'd be going, wow, look at them. Wow. The sons and daughters, obviously, sons, generic term. The sons of God. This is who we are. It's who you are. And I think somebody might just tentatively believe that this morning. (laughs) But all this is a process and we have to resist corruption by standing in the promises. We have an authority to say no to the corruptive process. Okay. the other thing I want to pull from that verse is that uh, corruption or decay comes from or is caused by, it says here, lust. Now, that word simply means a desire for other or forbidden things. And it's the same word that's used in the parable of the sower. So Jesus was talking about sowing seed on different types of soil. And in some soils, it, it was, didn't produce fruit, but there was one soil where it produced the fruit. But the particular verse is in Mark 4, verse 9. And it says the seed, well, that's meaning the word of God or the promises of God sown among thorns, where the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, that's where the word is, choke (laughs) the word, and it becomes approval. (laughs) Just to get the point across. But it's a very real process. I'm sure you've all been to conferences and you've been up there when you've left. them. Wow, Jesus, you're amazing. We can take the world. We used to sing that chorus, didn't we? We're going to take this land for Jesus. Very triumphalistic. Well, we can do. But then Monday morning, you wake up and it's like, let's work again. (laughs) I enjoy my job, by the way. And there's rarely a morning I wake up not wanting to go. Um, what was I saying? Enjoying work? Yeah. Do you know what? I was going to sit down and tell you this, but that's another story. I'm going to sit down now because it's going to give me a rest. And I might have to stand up because I need some oomph to carry on this. Um, I've completely lost my place. Just remind me. Where were we? Choking the process. Choking the process. That's it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. The process. Bear with me. So we stand on the promises, but worry, trusting in our money. I think the thing about uh, probably all of us would say, I don't trust in my money. But there is an impact of having enough that makes you... Maybe not complacent, what it might make you complacent, but a little less, less than urgent about our walk with God. When you ain't got anything, you're going to be on your knees saying, God, we need something. I'm going to be. I remember a friend of mine telling me that they had no food in the cupboards and and he was desperate. And he just went upstairs and he just for the next two hours just thanked God. He just said, thank you, God. I'm just thanking you, Father. I'm thanking you for your provision. There was a knock at the door, and the neighbour with a bag of groceries. I was like, wow, praise God. But that's kind of trusting in wealth when you're... Well, that isn't trusting in wealth. What I'm saying is the impact of having something makes you less earnest about seeing God's provision come through. And the other thing that comes against the jokes, the promise is just... Wrong desires. Putting our desires elsewhere rather than the core place God wants us to be focused. So to repeat myself, the promises can be choked out of us by the cares of life. Trusting wealth and the desire for other things. Things that pull us away from God's plan for us. We have to put these promises before us. Feed on God's truth. You know, you cannot take hold of these promises outside of faith. You have to believe the one that spoke the promise. You have to believe it. If you don't, it ain't going to work. That verse I said earlier, the righteous will live by faith. We're meant to live by faith. Everything. Well, and faith comes by hearing the living word and hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And it's like vitamin C. The body doesn't store it. So you need to have a top up every single day. We need to hold the promises before us and cling to them as we cling to the Lord with a rugged and selfish determination that we will not be stolen from anymore. I will have this mountain, Joshua said. He had to wait a long time, didn't he? He'd been promised the mountain, but he had to wait decades before. And then even then, when they'd gone into the land, he still had to step and say, I'm having this mountain. He had to maintain that vigor yeah, yeah. to the very end. There's the challenge. So I'm just going to share a little testimony to illustrate for you how we, how we do this. So two days after um, I agreed to share this word and the very next day after speaking to Rizon about we're ready to go with the painting, I woke up and I was hit, not literally, with the most appalling sore throat I've had in years. It was terrible. I couldn't not go to work. I had to go to work. Um, there was no way around it. But I'm sat there and we were having training all day and I thought, like, Oh my throat is on fire and like, anyway, I anyway, want to dwell on that one. But it's like, but God, all your strokes, I'm healed. I'm not having this. And I really felt that it had come upon me, un- come upon me unawares. And I didn't have enough word in me. It was like, Oh, how dare you? Oh, you and I'm just, ugh, really struggling with this. But I knew the word, by his stripes I'm healed, and so on. But I felt that this came at me and I wasn't ready. So it kind of got the upper hand and it dragged on, but it didn't get worse. I sort of held my ground. The soreness improved, but I was still not not 100% by any means. But I still had to function. I still had to carry on and do all the things I needed to do. I had to go to work and various things. But I began to become exhausted. And then eventually, uh, over the following weekend after this, not the immediate weekend, but the weekend after that, I must have had about 15 hours sleep. I was absolutely cream crackered. And that evening, I thought, right, I've got to take the word and I've got to push it further. So I got out my 101 healing verses and I just started looking at them meditating on them and I tuned into YouTube and I listened to Kenneth Copeland and I listened to three preachers and one of the preachers was him reading out these 101 healing scriptures and I was just sat there thinking I'm receiving it Lord I'm receiving this I'm having this I'm taking it I don't feel any different but I didn't say that but I just say I'm receiving it and I'm having this and I'm receiving my total healing I'm not having any more of this I'm just not having it And I went to sleep not feeling any different, but I just said I've received this by faith. It doesn't matter what I feel like I've received it and now it's happened. I've received it, God. Thank you. I just take it. So the next day I was different. Definitely different. I thought that's it. That's it. It's the manifestation. But it took me nearly 10 days to get to that point. I maybe could have done it sooner. But the point I'm making is I had to focus myself directly put my face in front of the living word, the truth, the promises. That's all that was to fill my mind, not the aches, the pains, the groans, the grumblings. And something happened. And that's why I want you to see it's like it's a day to day thing. And God wants us to be very intentional about it because it ain't just going to happen. It ain't going to just drop into your lap. If it does, someone else has done the battle for you, which is fine. And I don't know whether Lizard's remembered, but I did. Interestingly, Liz just shared a testimony in Life Group on Tuesday. And I thought, that's a really good example of what I'm talking about. So if you'd like to just come and share what you shared.
0: Yeah, um, my testimony is really similar to what Stuart just shared. Um, in my family, the ladies have really bad feet. And from about 15, 16, I was always told, oh, be careful what shoes you usually wear, you'll get bunions. And being in a job where you're on your feet all the day, that adds to the problem, just be careful. And it was just like constantly having this thing said over me. And I was like, I'm, I'm not prepared to have this, I'm not prepared to have that. So I spoke to a guy who I worked with who is a podiatrist, looks after... Fi- looks after feet. I took some advice from him, had my feet remeasured, got shoes refitted and things. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not having bunions. I'm not having it. And my big toe on my right foot had started to turn in a little bit. I was like, Lord, I'm not having bunions. I am not being in the sort of pain I've seen my nan in. I'm not having it. And over a period of about two, maybe three years, I went from my toes slightly turning in to my toes straightening back up nice. to now I can just buy any shoes, whereas at one time I would end up in tears because nothing fitted and it was a nightmare. But it's definitely taking some advice from people who know stuff and just standing on God's word and going, Ooh. I'm not having this. And then every time somebody like my mum or something to say oh you want to be careful what shoes you're wearing you know your feet, it's just like I'm not having that, I'm not having that said over me, my feet are in God's hand sort of thing, I'm having healthy feet, I'm having straight toes and just standing on that <laughs> yeah I wasn't owning it <laughs> yes. yeah,
1: absolutely brilliant, thank you So it's a very real position we need to take. And, uh, and to do that with one another as well, to encourage each other, because it isn't easy. It's hard work on your own to do it. Um, so that's really my word of encouragement to you today. Um, and I almost managed to keep to time. Uh, so I, I don't know how to move this forward. I'm happy to pray with anybody. Um, if you feel you've undervalued God's word and his promises, maybe not appreciated, their exceeding greatness. Or if you just want to get into the word more to take hold of them. You want to be strengthened in your journey to be a promise taker and learn how to resist the opposition. Anything goes. Uh, I think it's just good to pray with one another anyway. So I'm I'm wrapping up here, unless anybody's got something they feel definitely wanna share or mention or anything else, I can pray. And if you wanna come forward for prayer, please do. But I would just like to encourage us to pray with each other, if you want to do that, just to bless one another as we go from here. In this house,
0: we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give
1: second chances to anyone and we also have lots of fun.
0: In this house, we definitely forgive.
1: We also
0: do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love.